This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, 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 and welcome to Double Tap Canada. This is the technology show where just when we thought we knew all the answers, they go and change all the questions. I am your host this week, at least for the first half of the show, Tim Schwartz. I'm joined as ever by Sean Priest. Sean, hello. Hello, Tim. How are you? Oh, I'm better than I've been. You know, the last week or so, I have been so horribly Ugh. sick. But uh, thankfully, I, I, I think I'm finally getting better. Oh, well, you sound fantastic, so don't worry about it. Well, that's all that matters, as long as I sound fantastic. <laughs> you look terrible, but you sound good. <laughs> that's, I've been told that for years. <laughs> as I said a moment ago, I am the host, at least for the first half of the show, joined, of course, by Sean. Stephen Scott, well, he's here, but he's ravenously attacking the buffet as we speak. Only because, well, not only because he wants to attack the buffet, but because he's not really interested in the first topic we're going to discuss this week on the first half of the show. And that's audio games and some new audio games that have been released uh, here recently. But we will be joined by Stephen Scott later in the show. And when he returns, we'll, of course, talk about the recent Samsung event, Samsung Unpacked, where they announced all kinds of new Galaxy S products. Wow. I mean, I don't think we should allow him back. It's so unprofessional. He doesn't want to talk about audio games, so he's off attacking a buffet. And uh, believe me, that's a sight to behold on its own. I mean, come <laughs> on. Um, yes, okay. So audio games. Uh, I've been looking for the perfect audio game for a long time now. When I got my smartphone, I thought, this is it. Um, I think the first audio game I got, I'm trying to remember, it may have been a, a, a card game or even a crossword game. Four Down, I think, was one that I um, I really did like. Um, but all the audio games I've looked at up to now have been pretty much your standard affair the the card games the domino games the puzzle games that they're they're so um ripe for the audio treatment if you like um but to me yes they are games but they're not they're not what i'm looking for i'm i'm coming from the you know i had a super nintendo the mega drive or genesis i believe it was called Ooh, overseas yes um yes street fighter i'm playing space harrier and outrun down the arcade um i grew up with this stuff and i love this stuff and you know i think the last game i actually played on the pc was probably left for dead uh, you know, I, I, I remember lugging a huge computer around to play Doom on a on a network. <laughs> that stuff was amazing, and I really do miss it. Um, so, you know, audio games should be the answer to that. And there are, have been a few that we've tried out this week, Tim. There definitely have, and I've been trying out audio games for a number of years. I'm not, well, we'll just say it. I'm not as old as you, so I don't remember some of these old audio games. Wow! But Unbelievable! <laughs> I have Come to be, back, Stephen. I have to be careful because you are the same age as my wife, so so I have to tread very carefully there. <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, so I, I'm newer to audio games, although I've tried a lot of games uh, past and present, 
And I actually have more of an optimistic thought uh, when it comes to audio games because I've tried some older titles uh, for the PC like Grizzly Gulch, Chillingham. Uh, I've also tried a game called Super Egg Hunt. There's been variations of Star Trek games and Mario games, other types of adventure games, and they're all audio 2D, 3D sounds. And they're pretty good and immersive. There actually was even a Doom version years ago called Shades of Doom that was right. very similar to your regular Doom, but all audio and very immersive and actually was a lot of fun to play. So there have been really good audio games in the past. There are still some out there. Unfortunately, some aren't developed for anymore, like Papa Sangre and uh, you know games like that. Unfortunately, that company had to go away. But there are some out there that I really like. There, there's, of course, like you said, a lot of card games and casino games. Uh, Dice World is extraordinarily popular, and I do like Dice World. It's, it's a very good game uh, on your smartphone. And, and like you said, there's a lot of card games. The Blindfold Game series comes to mind, which is actually one of them that we'll be talking about today. But when it comes to audio games, there are some that... Eh, kind of go backwards a bit. And that's, I think, one of them that we'll talk about today, even though it's from the biggest developer, arguably. And then a couple others that I think are are maybe a little bit better. Uh, the first one we can talk about, Sean, let's talk about that one that kind of goes backwards, in my opinion. You let me know what you think. It's been developed by kind of an ARM software company of Microsoft, and it's called Ear Hockey. That's E-A-R Hockey, not Air Hockey, although it does play like a audio version of Air Hockey. Yeah, I'm not a great fan of air hockey anyway. So, um, yeah, it seems like I got the short straw on this one, Tim, I'm guessing, because (laughs) you obviously are not a fan. So, yeah, this, as you said, is from Microsoft. I think it's called Microsoft um, Garage. Um, It's it's very much like an independent indie game maker uh, sort of feel to it. Uh, It is available in the Windows Store. So if you're running Windows 10, just uh, open up the Windows Store and search for it. It's free, which is always, you know, a tick in my book. Um, So, yeah, I I checked this out. And um, let me quickly play in the tutorial for you. This is an audio-based game and is better enjoyed with headphones. Reality Gaming. Ear Hockey. Main Menu. Use the up and down arrow keys to highlight menu options. Press the spacebar to select. One player menu. Two player menu. Tutorial. So, I'm just going to hit enter here. Tutorial. During certain parts of the tutorial, you will be locked in place. If you wish to quit the tutorial at any point, press the backspace key. You are a paddle placed on one end of a rectangular court. There is a ball at the center of the court. Listen to how the sound changes when the ball approaches you. Press the space bar to launch the ball towards you. Good job. This sound means you've hit the ball and it has bounced away from you. Now the ball will approach you to the right. Using the left and right arrow keys, move toward the right side of the court. Hit the right arrow key. Good job. You are in front of the ball. The ball will now be launched towards you. Next, the ball will approach all the way to the right. Move to the right until you hit the sidewall. <laughs> I'm good at hitting walls. Right this arrow key again. Means you've hit the sidewall and can't go any farther in that direction. The ball will now be launched towards you. Now, move back toward the center line of the court where you started. This sound means you've crossed the center line of the court. 
If you hit the ball slightly off of center, it will rebound at an angle. Sometimes the ball will approach you at an angle as well. Press the space bar to launch the ball at an angle. This sound means the ball has hit the sidewall and rebounded. If the ball was approaching you to the left, it will now be moving to the right and vice versa. Press the space bar to make the ball continue on its current path. <laughs> Who needs Grand Theft Auto? Let's keep going. This sound means the ball has moved to the other side of the court and has been hit by your opponent. This sends the ball toward your side again. You and your opponent will hit the ball back and forth until one player misses the ball, which will score a point for the other player. When a point is scored, gameplay stops and the ball is reset. Press the space bar to play against the AI opponent. Okay, here we go. Here's the good stuff. Press Let's get the to the gameplay. To launch the ball towards you. That was more luck than judgment. Hang on. You missed the ball, and your opponent got a point. Oh, come press on. Press the space bar to try again. Or press the backspace key to return to the main menu. Okay, so... There you have it. It's all, um, look, very well described. It's it's well done. There's no glitching. There's no clunkiness to it. It's easy to master. Just left and right arrow keys. It's fine. And, and uh, do you know what? That's my issue with it. It's fun for a little while. It's, it's more of a time filler, I suppose, or a time passer. But I do have an issue with... Uh, Maybe it's it's the 3D positioning. Now, you mentioned earlier, Tim, the uh, Papa Sangri games. Um, now, they had a fantastic 3D audio engine. It really did feel immersive. And um, with a lot of these 3D, I'm, I'm using air quotes, I'm making the gesture, uh, <laughs> 3D <laughs> audio games, for me, the 3D isn't strong enough. It, it For example, in air hockey, I did find myself, is that really coming to the right? Is that coming to the left? Maybe it's just my ears, and maybe I'm not good at these games. But for me, the 3D audio just wasn't good enough. Now, in this example, they do have a few different options. There's, um, You can have no visuals on the screen at all. You can have a high-contrast uh, visual mode. And basically, the point of view you're seeing is from the the um, hockey paddle itself. So you see the ball coming directly at the screen. Um, again, it's high contrast, so it's just a black screen with a enhanced lines. So it, it is easy to see with my little bit of sight that I've got. Uh, and also there's like a normal view as well. Um, but I did try this with no display at all, just so I could totally get the, the 3D audio effect. And uh, yes, it, it works, but it's always that slight feeling of, you feel slightly out of control. You're not entirely sure it's coming from the left, from the right. And it's all a bit mm, hit and miss. So, yeah, I'm not going to give this a 5 out of 5. It's not an amazing game. But it's interesting. It's free. So definitely check it out. Um, but, yeah, this isn't a doom killer 
Wow, doom, I'm showing my age, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, no, I, I have to agree. It is fine. It's playable. It is nice because you can do multiplayer or play against the computer. So there are some good things here, but my problem is with it, I've seen it all before. Yes. I'd rather play blindfold air hockey on my iPhone with headphones on and, and play it that way than do this, quite honestly. And that game's been out for several years now. It, it's not reinventing anything. It's nothing that we haven't seen before. It's actually maybe not as good as some of the other air hockey games that have been out there before. Uh, I'm, I'm just not, not that I'm not impressed with their first go around at this, but again, it's just, I've seen it before. Now, that being said, I'm happy that they've done it. I'm hoping that they do more games and that they get better and better as they go along. So I encourage the development of this uh, type of game. But again, I've just been there, done that. Now, that being said, talking about blindfold games, uh, as many people know, uh, Marty Schultz, who's behind the blindfold game series, has all kinds of games. Like you mentioned, Sean, he's got card games and casino games. He's got a dog walking game. He's got uh, <laughs> race car games, you know, all kinds of different things. Uh, some of them are 3D immersive. Some of them are not he has some old games like pong and breakout and oh you know it's old arcade favorites yeah. and now he has a blindfold bobsled game you are actually riding in the bobsled and hearing the wind and the snow and, the, and everything whipping around you and you've got to take the proper turn so turn left turn right line up go straight you've got to be able to tilt backward forward up and down to to make your bobsled go where it needs to go and it's fast-paced, it's entertaining, and I've actually had some fun with this game, Sean. No, no way, that's impossible. Fake news. Fun with an audio game. <laughs> like, I, I hate to sound so negative all the time, because as you said with the ear hockey game, look, we don't want to say, oh, this is terrible or, or whatever, because we want to encourage um, development in this, because I, I do think oh, yeah. audio games have a huge potential, but... Marty Schultz and his Blindfold game series. I mean, I, I don't know. He never seems to run out of ideas. Um, there's so many games there. But I just, I, I want to see the the genre pushed a little bit. Going back to um, Papa Sangre and um, the Nightjar, games like that. As I said, the 3D uh, made the huge difference for that. And one of the games that was an offshoot was... Audio Defense. Did you, did you ever play that one, Tim? I did. For me, that was the pinnacle of audio games. I think that was everything an audio game should be. It had incredible potential because it dragged you in. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, Audio Defense was... Um, <laughs> it's going to sound so <laughs> gamerish, but it is. Um, it was a zombie shooting <laughs> game, basically. But the thing that made it... Of course it was. Yes, of course. <laughs> but the thing that made it so immersive was that um, you hold the phone in your hand and you hear you know things coming around and walking around the back of you. And you actually had to physically turn to face them and then, you know, shoot them. Um, and that was amazing that it really dragged you in it made it it made it almost like a uh, an arcade experience you know because you had to turn around and something was coming towards you and it as you went on and on it got faster and faster it was exciting and for me it was such a shame because there was a bug in that game and they never fixed it and once a new version of ios came out it would just crash after a couple of minutes and it was never fixed and in the end the company let it go they said it wasn't profitable enough and that was it and it was such a shame because that for me 
had the game mechanics that a, an arcade game should have, and there was no need for visuals because the 3D engine was so good you could actually pinpoint where the enemies were, and the very and at, throw into that mix the game mechanic of actually having to move around physically and turn around to face it. It was so good, so good, and. I just feel like the other games so far haven't managed to reach that potential. Of course, there's different genres, like we've all said, you know. And RS Games, which is a, a collection of games on Windows and Mac, and even on iOS, actually. That's another uh, blindfold game. Um, right. They're great. The dice games are great, and card games, you know, uh, was it Cards Against Humanity and whatever else they, they're fun yeah. as trivia games board games exactly and especially when you're playing against other real human opponents they're, they are great but it's it's different i'm i'm looking for that perfect arcade audio game and i know it can be done and i just feel like we're not we're not getting there yet well, that's a good point, Sean, because there are so many different types of games, genres of games, and you're right. Trivia games and board games have their place, and there's tons of those, not just in the Blindfold series, but several other games that have been made accessible, whether it's, again, casino games, card games, board games, trivia games. All of those are very easily made accessible using a screen reader or voiceover, but I'm like you. I'm an old school gamer, and I like these type of, ga- of time waster type games, but I want to get into a 3D environment. I want to hear sounds around me and shoot things and attack things and have them attacking me and find power-ups and all that. And and like you said, Papa Sangre, Papa Sangre 2, The Nightjar, Audio Defense, they were all an amazing series of games. And that's why I mentioned some of these older games. I know things like Grizzly Gulch and Shades of Doom, those are very old games, probably 15 years old or more at at this point. Yeah, Shades of Doom. At least. But that said... For their time, they were done very, very well. They were very immersive, and they were kind of the precursors to games like Papa Sangre and Audio Defense. Now, that said, like with video games, audio games have a wide range of quality as well. So, like you said, some of these 3D immersive games maybe aren't as good as they could be, but then we have games for the PC like A Hero's Call that we talked about, oh, about a year or so ago, I think, on the show. We talked about A Hero's Call, and it's fantastic it's there's another game out there it's been around for a few years now called entombed another game that has really great audio sound effects music the storyline is so good and when you get games like that like a hero's call where you really can dive in and feel like you're part of the game in a fully immersed audio experience that's what i like that's what i enjoy that said the next game i want to talk about isn't maybe quite that involved however i i would say it's more akin into possibly the Inquisitor series, which has been on iOS, which was very similar to games like Nightjar. And that's a new game from a company called My True Sound called Gold Gun. Now, in this game, you play a police officer or somebody within the law, and you basically are solving crime and beating the bad guys. And it's episodic. There are voice actors, there's sound effects, music, scene changes, all that kind of thing that you would expect from an immersive 3D game. You have to use your phone to tilt and turn with the gyroscope to make certain things happen, tap on the screen in certain ways, swipe on the screen in certain ways to attack or shoot your 
enemies or to pick up items, collect things, all that kind of stuff. So it is very immersive, very interactive. Like I said, very similar to Inquisitor or Papa Sangre, things like that. And I'm really interested in this game because it's the first game that this company has put out and they've promised some more audio games coming later this year. Now, you see, that for me sounds a lot more interesting. I, I think maybe my problem is that, that maybe I feel that these games are slightly dumbed down, you know? Or maybe it's, it's, it's uh, more complicated than that, and it's the fact that it's difficult to find that game mechanic, that, that feeling that a game's got to have that drags you in, that draws you in, that makes it fun. Maybe it is difficult to do that in audio only. I, I totally understand that. But um, looking back at, at games like Papa Sangre and, and Nightjar, I found them really interesting until you get to the bits where you had to s slowly creep past sleeping animals of some sort that if you walk too fast by tapping your fingers on the screen, you would wake them up. <laughs> you, you know what? That game mechanic doesn't work it, it's boring maybe this is like, you just say that because you couldn't do it successfully no I, you're absolutely right I, <laughs> I i'm not beer and twisted but no it's boring tapping your fingers on the screen it's it's not fun um so maybe it's a case of you know this is the evolution of audio games but now you know everyone virtually has got a smartphone and and mobile gaming is meant to be a huge market but i think mobile games are sort of suffering from the same thing that i'm saying audio games have got in that um they just don't seem to be deep enough they seem like a very shallow let's fill five or ten minutes of time while you're waiting for a bus rather than an actual old school game that we, we all sort of grow up with and um the games that we miss i guess yeah, I can agree with that. And a lot of the audio games seem to be episodic or things that you might take a few actions yourself and then something else happens that you have to sit and wait for. And yeah. I don't mind some of that, but but a lot of that can, can wear a little bit thin for me. I liked the game A Blind Legend. But there seemed to be too many transitions and cinematic things going on. I just wanted to get in there and sword fight and run and, and do all the different things I could do. And when I had to sit and listen to the cinematic things happening around me, it was nice. It was interesting. But I wanted the action. I wanted to be part of the game, not listening to the game. And so games like Gold Gun, where I'm turning and twisting and rotating my phone to make things happen, plus having the tap, plus having the swipe, doing all kinds of things to make the action happen. Yes, there are cinematic transitions that happen, and that's part of the storyline, but I like that kind of immersion into a game. You know, for a long time, audio gaming was much more prevalent on the PC. Going back to all those games that we referred to earlier, you know, audio gaming has been a genre of its own for a long time on PC and only the last several years has it really come to your smartphone. And I'm hoping that it continues. I'm hoping that we've just seen the tip of the iceberg of it, that it gets better and better. And I say that with optimism because we now even have mainstream gaming companies finally adopting audio as a possible genre or blind people as a possible customer. We've seen EA Sports update their Madden NFL game, as well as Need for Speed just last year, their car racing game, with haptic feedback and audio cues that enable blind people to play those games better. 
And now we've even seen blind people be able to completely play games like Mortal Kombat and Soul Calibur because the 3D immersive audio is so good now in those games. You can put on headphones and know what's going on around you. You can hear when your opponent's going to strike. And those games aren't even designed necessarily for the blind. So I I think that we're at the beginning of something possibly good for us when it comes to audio gaming. Yeah. And... uh Look, the, the the accessibility creeping into mainstream gaming and consoles is is uh, sort of mirrors where we're at with technology now. You know that crossover oh, yeah. into oh well, mainstream can be accessible as well. I mean, of course, there's always going to be a what well, the consoles themselves, the Xbox and the PS4, they do have accessibility features. I mean, the Xbox is basically a, a Windows 10 PC now, so they, they do have accessibility features. But of course, the the games themselves are always primarily going to be a visual. Uh, medium but um yeah it, it's good to see people actually well taking a risk and thinking about accessibility so it's good to see where that goes but i don't know with virtual reality kicking in i mean 3d audio is going to be so much more uh prevalent i guess you know and, and 3d engines now are absolutely amazing um I don't know. I just feel that maybe there's a a missed opportunity by developers when it comes to audio games. It just feels like they are they are slightly dumbed down. Or let's keep it simple for the um, the blind people. Do you know what I mean? Now that may be a bit unfair, but that is honestly how I feel. Let's make audio games as a genre far more complicated, far deeper than it currently is. Um, of course, the, the trouble with that is that anything that takes time to develop and test costs money and maybe the the developer feels there's not enough um payback in that which is you know as a business that's quite a valid point but um i think that i i paid for audio defense because i liked it that much whatever it was 10 pounds i think and i was really upset when the developers let that go i think there is a market i think we are willing you know, visually impaired people are willing to pay for polished games and i just feel there's there's more that could be done i'm calling it vivr because i think that the audio <laughs> that we can get now with our phones and the sensors in smartphones um being able to almost use your phone as a controller um you mentioned a blind legend uh, terrible acting in it but look, there was some fun <laughs> things in there and and uh, having a yes <laughs> having a sword fight with someone uh, that's an interesting mechanic now but that was just swiping on the screen now imagine actually having to swipe your phone making the actions and you know with the accelerometer and the sensors in your phone if you could make that a multiplayer so having a invisible lightsaber fight with someone you know across the world now we're um, talking yeah, exactly. And it's just about pushing that envelope a bit. But the potential is great. And the, look, as I said, I don't want to be too negative on this, because the very fact that we've got the option of audio games, be it um, a simple card game or something like a blind legend. I mean, it is amazing. And and on every platform, you will find something that there's a game, I think, called Swamp. Now, I haven't tried that one on the PC, but I know it's a very popular game. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. Yeah, exactly. So the very fact that we got these options, you know, it is, um, it's a good thing. Okay, well, Sean, you and I could talk about games and audio games for hours and hours and hours and, and just go on and on. So we should probably stop it there uh, and get ready to take a break here. But for anybody out there listening that wants to give feedback about audio games, 
You can send us an email. Send that to feedback at ami.ca. Let us know what audio games you're playing or what are your favorites or, or what are your overall thoughts about audio gaming as it is today. Let us know. Feedback at ami.ca. We'll be right back with more Double Tap Canada right after the break with Stephen Scott. Yeah, I'll go and get him. Hang on. Stephen, come on. It's time to get to work. Come on, put the sausage roll down. No, come on. Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. Welcome back to Double Tap Canada. I am your, well, first half host, Tim Schwartz, joined by Sean Priest. And, well, Stephen Scott's supposed to be around here somewhere. He was feeding his face. I'm here. I'm oh, here. there he is. I, You're still eating. I was eating. Put that quiche down. There's a job to be done here. <laughs> Listen, that buffet is pretty good. And I will say this. You two talk absolute nonsense. So I, th- I was quite happy just to leave you to it. You say that, but you're the one who'll be playing Grand Theft Auto with a huge <laughs> exactly. virtual reality helmet after. You're a gamer. I, I think gamer is pushing it ever so slightly. All right, a bus driver. It comes to. I think bus driver is a loose yeah, term a as well. I, I know how he drives that bus, if you want to call it driving. Bus driver would in, would actually give you the impression I'm driving a bus. And, and I am, to all intents and purposes, the road, in the game. over people, over things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Traffic lights are my favourite. I always seem to hit them. Anyway, I thought I'd pop back because um, we're not going to we're not going to talk about this anymore, are we? We're not talking about any more games, are we? No, we're done for now. Right, good. It was interesting. Yeah, you it should was have a good listened. conversation. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll bet the people, the <laughs> listeners, will like our conversation. Feedback at ami.ca. Anyway. Yeah, you'll see. Um, right. Okay. Uh, well, no, listen. I'm I'm happy just to, to sit back and let you take the reins but i think the thing that's kind of interested me this week is the big announcement uh yesterday wasn't it on wednesday yes just yesterday the days are all just going into one for me but yeah um samsung s10 event and we got rather an interesting surprise right off the bat i was amazed now there were rumors of this and of course we saw the prototypes of this the flexible uh displays but when they actually came out and they had it, and it's almost available to buy now, uh, I was amazed. I did not expect to see a foldable phone, the Galaxy Fold. This is some gadget goodness gorgeousness. <laughs> You're so excited wow. you can barely talk. Wow. I, yes, it's just a, a foldable screen and, and, and let's get this clear this isn't got a uh, a join in the middle or anything so think of your normal phone but think of being able to open it up like a book and you have a seven i think it's a 7.3 inch screen in there so it's sort of the size of a you know an ipad mini or something like that it's amazing from a technical point of view absolutely amazing but doesn't it start off at like a four point something size screen? It, it's a tiny little thing. It's like a like an iPhone SE, isn't it? Well, that's not a bad thing. Mm. Yeah, I'm not saying it's, yeah. it's a bad thing. Or am <laughs> I? I, I don't know. Four, it's got a screen on the front that's four point six. So that's your normal. Well, yeah, slightly small, but that's just your phone screen. And then when you open it up, as I said, like a book, you've got almost like a tablet. So there's two screens on the thing, and I, I think this is just great. I, I agree. I, I think it sounds interesting. I haven't been able to see a picture of it yet, so I'm trying to imagine in my head what this thing looks like. I'm assuming it's edge to edge. So when you, I can't, I can try to imagine in my head. So it's kind of like 
you've got the curve of the the screen if it has one on the right hand side maybe uh whereas on the left hand side it'll be all flat it'll almost feel like there's more well, to no, the screen it's, it still ha- it still because has because then bezels, obviously you open it up you know, but they, they are thin bezels um but the, the screen the way they've they've engineered it it's it's a totally flat screen it's not going to feel folded or flexible at all so for all intents and purposes you you're opening up and creating a tablet now Again, this is from a technical point of view. I just think this is amazing. The actual practical uses for it, I'm not entirely sure. It, it did seem like it was going to be a heavy phone, the way the guy was handling it. And when he put it into his suit pocket, it did sort of like he put a heavy weight in there or something. So, And it's two batteries. You've got a battery on each side, if you like, the front and the back. Um, is it going to get really hot? Mm. Is it? I, I don't know. The practical point of view, I'm not entirely sure. But... Just the tech. This is the first, the first time we've seen a flexible display. That I think, yes, I can see this actually like a mainstream mass market product, and that's exactly what it is. Well, you say main, mainstream mass product, but we go back to the practical practicality of this device. I think technologically, it's really cool. It's innovative. I think it's neat that you can start something on the smaller screen, and when you open it up, you can continue doing that, but in a bigger, more expanded area. And they they really took a lot of time talking about how you can do three things at once and be in different apps and texting while you're watching YouTube, while you're checking Google Maps, like... Like I'm really able to juggle all that, but uh, but they they say you can do it with this device. That said. What is the practicality of this in the mainstream? Uh, again, it's innovative. It's cool. But I, I don't know what the use case is for something like this. Well, I think it's going to be something that is, I mean, once we get our hands on it, we'll probably think it's the greatest thing that ever existed and we'll all want one. But I don't <laughs> know how this would be for us in terms of accessibility. I was kind of laughing as I'm listening to the event and I'm hearing them talk about the wonderful screen and the amazing picture quality and, of course, all this. And I'm thinking, yeah, but I turn my screen off. So this is a bit of a waste. Um, and, you know, I, I think that if you use, if you do use the screen and you do need um, a bigger screen, then I think it's... In some ways, it's like you then don't need to buy a second device. I like that part of it. So say, for example, yeah. you wanted to have, and I'm using the example here because I don't think anybody really would buy a Samsung tablet, would they? I mean, people buy those things. Um, but, Ooh. you know, if you were buying a, <laughs> if you were buying an iPhone, right? Send your emails to Stephen Scott. <laughs> it's a bit brutal. Well, I, I, I mean, I often thought, I often think of the Samsung tablets as... You know, the kind of device you'll buy if you can't really afford an iPad. Study now. Um, and, you know, I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Maybe the higher-end ones. I know the, the, the Galaxy Book, I think it was. Is it the Galaxy Book? Um, that was more the sort of professional one. But again, you know, Android... I don't know. Anyway. Hang on, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You're the guy that's just got a Pixel 3 and he's loving Android. I'm liking Android, yeah. Oh, Ooh, it's all finished. Here we go. The love affair's yep. over. Forget <laughs> it. Yeah. Honeymoon's finished. No, it's not over. It's let's just say we're 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 going to counselling. Um, <laughs> we're talking to people. Uh, we'll see how it goes. No, it is. It's fine. I mean, Android is is actually good. I think in the main, and I, and I will say this. I think if you never used an iPhone before, <laughs> this is terrible. But if you never used an iPhone in your Dick life. In a hole. And you got yourself an Android phone, you'd actually be pretty happy with this. From the accessibility point of view, with top back on and all of that, I think you'd be quite happy. What I think is with something like this foldable device, 
if you use TalkBack, I don't know how that's going to work. I'm sure they've thought it through. I hope they've thought it through. I say I'm sure. I don't know. I hope. Uh, because, you know, they talk about this app continuity. So you say you open up a... Um, you've got it in phone mode and you open up YouTube and you want to watch a video. So you can just sort of expand the phone by opening it out and you'll see this the, the image on a bigger screen. Will all the controls work? You know, will it work in the way it should? In theory, yes. But, you know, we all know, because we've used apps all the time, even on a non-folding phone, apps don't always work very well. Things don't always go to plan. So, I don't know about this one. I, I don't know from an accessibility point of view how good this will be. But I think for people who are partially sighted, I think this could be rather interesting. So, if you've got some useful vision, you're able to use uh, a phone with large text, large display, whatever, then this might actually help. And, you know, you get a kind of tablet and a phone two in one. So exactly. maybe that, Samsung that are kind of point. proving my point, which is that nobody's buying the Samsung tablet. So you know what? We'll just make your oh, phone into one. You've always got to turn it around so you're right, haven't you? No, that is exactly <laughs> the point. Look, uh, why do people want tablets? It's for consuming stuff. It's for browsing the web and watching movies, Netflix, whatever streaming uh, movies. That's it really, because you can do everything else on your phone. People want that larger screen for consuming content. It makes it easier. So that's exactly the point of this product. You don't need a separate device. You can open it up and expand it to a tablet. You, you don't need a second device. Fantastic idea. Now, as for is it going to sell? Well, the big sticking point, obviously, no. is the price of this thing. Coming in at... Uh, 1980 US dollars. That's a big ask. And that's, and that's not two in one, no. Well, look, no. I mean, well, compare well, that it is. to... It's two, two phones in one uh, price, yeah. yeah. That's what I mean, right? It's two for one price, yeah, a big price. Compare that to, uh, you know, an iPad Pro or something. Obviously, that's slightly different, but, you know, you're getting two devices, and you, you are paying because this is... This is cutting edge. This is bleeding edge tech. The first flexible screen. So, of course, you're paying for just having the bragging rights of having this thing anyway. The the, the tech inside it is um, top end as well. You're talking 12 gig of RAM in the thing. It starts at 512 uh, gigs of storage. So it's going to be a beast of a, of a device. But, yeah... I don't know how well it will actually sell, but from a technical point of view, you've got to love it. Well, look, I'm bored because, truth be told, I don't think any of us are going to really buy this. We'll all maybe want to buy it, but we're not going to buy it because it costs way too much money. Even on a contract, that is going to cost you a fortune. I think what people For are... that price, I'm afraid to go to the store and try Well, that's it. I mean, what if you dropped it? I mean, your first day or you put it on a table and it scratches the other screen that's on the back. Ugh. No, <laughs> terrible. Uh, but I do think people will have far more interest in the new Samsung S10, which I've got to say, uh, I am a Pixel user, and I'm enjoying that, but the Samsung range has always intrigued me. The one thing that always gets me about Android, especially from, from our point of view as accessibility users, is that you know it's so different. Every experience is so different. And you know, a Samsung phone has a slightly different version of TalkBack because Samsung have taken it you know, stuck it in a tumble dryer, spun it around a few times, and then what they've pulled out has been something slightly different and a bit more fluffy. And, you know, it's 
I mean, it may well be fine, and I'm sure it is, and I'm sure it's all fully accessible and lovely, but the point is, it's different. So you can't just go from a Samsung to a Pixel and get the same experience, like jumping from an iPhone whatever to an iPhone whatever. Well, let me just stop you right there, because, of course, it's optional. You can use the vanilla talkback on a <laughs> Samsung device. This so you are problem. quite the, wrong. Your average, your average user's not going to be bothered with all that. Well, the average user no. will not turn on the Samsung version of TalkBack then. They will just stick with the vanilla TalkBack, which I believe is the default. Really? I thought the Samsung one would have been default. I actually don't know, but I just don't want to uh, be wrong. <laughs> oh, I see. I would think Samsung's I default. would have thought so, yeah. All right, don't um, gang up on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would make sense, wouldn't it? I mean, they've made it, so, you know. Um, but it, it's interesting to see that. So, anyway, the S10, uh, I don't know when it's coming out, but I imagine it'll be fairly soon. And it is actually full of lovely little features. Well done. That was a sparkling technical breakdown. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I believe it's available on March 8th. Um, yeah, so they, they, they had three. That There is an extra one, but we'll get to that in a bit. There was three models released. They have the S10e, which is uh, the budget model coming in. Small. Mm, yeah, small, actually. It, it did look very nice. The thing with all these Samsung devices is that they are just beautifully made. You know, they are premium products. Um, sorry, we've got the S10e. Uh, then we have the S10 and the Medium. S10 Plus. And a large. Thank you. Yes, Not exactly. Um, now... The big takeaway for me on this, I mean, Samsung just absolutely nailed the technology on this. It was so impressive. Um, they don't have a notch. So that notch, that ugly notch that the iPhones have is totally gone. These are full screens. And what they've done is they put the camera and the sensors and the fingerprint sensor underneath the screen. Um, absolutely amazing. And the phone just looks so nice and futuristic. No Face ID. No Face ID. Yes, they actually got rid of the iris detection, which they first introduced in the S8. Well, personally speaking, I, I prefer the fingerprint sensors <gasps> anyway. I know. I know. And let, me just, let me just say, with the, the uh, budget the budget one at $749, the S10e actually has the fingerprint sensor on the side. So there are some compromises you do make. Um, but the S10 came in at $899, and the Plus came in at $999. So actually, it's below that magic $1,000 mark, only just. But um, I think that is important. Yeah, but that's for... Sorry, I'm eating again. Um <sighs> <laughs> that's built. That's the sort of initial. What do they call it? The kind of low end one, you know, or not low end, but that's the, the starting price. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> I've had way too much buffet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this is actually quite a nice phone. I like the, the features in it. I think it's going to be. I mean, it, it's going to be a huge seller for Samsung for sure. I think the thing that stands out for me though is that Tim Cook, if he's watching this uh, this week, must be thinking. We've really got to pull the finger out next time, guys, because we are way behind at the moment. And that's not unusual. That tends to be how it goes. Apple do catch up and come up with, you know, these ideas later on, but or, you know, they work on them longer and then apparently it's better. I don't think that's as true as it was. Um I think, you know, Samsung are, are really creating a, a a strong product in the market now. I have to agree with that. Uh, I hate to agree with that, but I do agree with that. The technology in this uh, S10 line of phones is so good. And 
all I could do is sit back and, and wish and hope that, like you said, Tim Cook is watching and that the next set of iPhones will have Touch ID brought back to them, but underneath the screen like this S10. And I honestly, I'm surprised by this. I don't know why I'm surprised, but I really like the ability to flip the phone over and the ability to be able to charge other devices with the battery in the phone. So you can charge your, your earbuds, you can charge your watch. You were amazed by this, Tim, weren't you? I was amazed by that because I didn't see that coming. Your flabber was aghast. I, I could hear you as if they were <laughs> I really was. It. I mean, I didn't hear his flabber gasting. Oh, no, there was definitely a lot of gasting going there on. There was a lot of We won't get disgusting. into the gasting that was going on <laughs> while we listened to the event. But that being said, I mean, I kind of knew that the, the, the thumbprint thing was coming. We all kind of knew that was going to happen beneath the screen. But the charging, using your phone to charge, I'm, I'm actually quite impressed by that. Terrible idea. I mean, your phone. No, it's a great no, idea. Your phone's Sean, just going to be dead all the time. About? How, 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 no, how much spare battery do you have on your phone? No, you no, said no. yourself, what is this bat- This battery in this phone? It's like forty million <laughs> milliamps or something. It's an incredible battery it's got in it. I'll be able to charge all this stuff up, and I don't imagine your your watch or your Pixel Buds. I mean, you're not going to charge another phone or you know stick a tablet on the back of it. You know, it's. Okay. It's just Look, going to be yes, used okay. for small charges. It's a useful feature, and it is rumoured that the iPhone is also going to have this feature. Um, but I think you're... I th- now you're happy, see? He's gasting again. <laughs> yes. I think I think, the, I think you're absolutely right, though. This is one of the first events where I thought, you know what, Apple have got to be worried by this because there weren't many, or any, actually, of the usual Samsung gimmicks that we see. You know, it was just purely on the technology that they had. And yeah, that's right. I've got to say that, that Apple really do look like they're getting a bit dated now. There's rumours that they're not going to upgrade the lightning port to the USB-C. Um, uh, and the, the screen technology, the notch, it is starting to look like um, like it's second place when it comes to technology. And now with the price that you're paying, the premium that you're paying for Apple... I don't know. I think they've got a they've got a competition on their hands now. And I have complacency. Well, yes. exactly. And I have to say, there's been so much said the last couple of years about the lack of innovation when it comes to smartphones because everybody says, "Oh, well, what else could we have? What else could we need?" And honestly, Samsung had some innovative things yesterday with this announcement. Yes, the foldable phone, but you know, the Touch ID or their their thumbprint ID below the screen and the the charging ability of this and, and other things that are there. I think that there is innovation here and there is more that should be and could be done. And hopefully Apple will pick up on that. Yeah. I think, um, I don't think Apple will, if I'm honest. I, I, you don't think think they'll beg, borrow and steal these ideas like all of them do all the time? Yeah, possibly. But I think what will truly make Apple shift is the numbers is, you know, the bottom line. Uh, and that's the case with any company I know, but you know, Apple's a very rich company but it's seen its stock share go down. It's seen the number of iPhone units sales fall. Um, th- there is a real problem because, of course, everything in Apple now hangs on the iPhone. Yeah. And that's a problem for that company because now they're in a situation where... I mean, I, I think about it from a use case. So I, I love Apple, and I always have loved Apple. I've always had a bit of a thing for them since I met my first one in school. Um, and you know, I sat there with my... Apple LC2 and had huge amounts of fun trying to figure out how to use it and um, how not to how how it didn't work with anything else. You know, you couldn't <laughs> couldn't save a word file and one 
floppy disk and it wouldn't work on the other. No. But, you know, all the, the products they brought out and then the iPad, sorry, the iPod and then, you know, moving on to the iPhone and everything else, their products have always had a, a sexiness to them. They've always had an appeal to them, a mystique about them. And more importantly for us, they've been accessible. Now, all that being said, we are consumers, and I'm a consumer, and I go where the right product is. Yeah, I know. I do tend to buy things. And you consume quite a bit in, in I many could, ways. Well, not just – I mean, that buffet is certainly well, well dented uh, today for sure. But I will say that if it came to it, I think, especially now having the experience of the Pixel 3 – my next phone could be an S10 or an S11 or whatever. It could it could be because I am confident enough that the Android devices are as good as they are um, with the accessibility that's in them. I mean, yeah, it's got a few quirks, which I'm just not used to yet, but I'll get there with it. It certainly wouldn't put me off. And I think there's... Um, I think that the quality of the device is better. I get more innovation, as, as you say, Tim. Well, I, I do agree with that. It seems like the Android line of phones, Google themselves and Samsung, as we saw, they are trying to innovate. But I think that's going to be the buzzword these next couple of years, especially with smartphones, is innovation because we had that lull like they talked about. And there's only so much you can do with software. And so they're going to have to find ways to innovate. I mean, in these S10s, we've got three cameras, I think, in the back, two cameras in the front on, on one of them, at least, not the lowest end one. And uh, we haven't even talked about the new special edition fourth S10 that they're putting out as well. Uh, they spent probably 30 minutes on uh, that topic alone about how well, they feel like they've innovated th wireless technology. So, yeah. yeah let's, let's talk about that because they, they have. So they brought out a new and I don't want to labor on it because truth be told, this is a topic we will return to a they lot They labored enough future. on it as it was. And they did. And you can watch the whole thing, I'm sure, online. But they really, what they brought out was the first, I think this is the first um, 5G phone which was the S10 5G. And this will be one which will go on sale when the networks go live. There are various networks around the world. Uh, although it was quite funny when they, they referred to all the partners who are involved and then three people spoke. Um, <laughs> yes. So I hope there's more than three networks. That was globally. So I hope there's more than three. But it certainly seems as if that, that, that this is kind of hinging on the networks themselves being available and ready. And there's a lot of discussion around that. We're hearing about 5, was it 5GE, which isn't really 5G. So if you get that... No, it's a mislabel. It's not real. Yep. It's cheating 5G. Um, whereas, you know, proper, true, real, you know, wouldn't cheat on you 5G um, is, you know, a bit down the line. But probably, what, next... Early this year, uh, late this year, next year, maybe early. Well, they're talking yeah, that the, the actual proper commercial rollout will be the end of 2020, maybe 2021. So right, okay. I actually don't really get the point of this other than to, to release a 5G phone now, other than to beat Apple to the punch and say, well, that's we is, were the first it? to do this. Because the practical uses of this, we're back to practicality again. I mean, you know, there's no 5G... Um, application at the minute that that you really need. It's just a case of this phone is able to do that. It's going to be really fast, and it's it's a huge thing as well. Six point eight inch. Uh, it's a monster, a monster of. Sounds a, lovely though. Yes, well, exactly. It's a monster of device, but the five G aspect of it, it's a bit like well, we were there first, but to be honest, you don't really need it yet. But the thing is that if you think about it, 
by the time 5G finally gets into people's hands and you can actually go and, and get a phone and use the 5G network, it'll be the S11. <laughs> so the S10 5G might never actually yeah. make it to to market, if you think about it. Really, what that was was just to say, look, we can do this. Um, Apple, your move. Um so, yeah, it was interesting to see. I just want to pick up on some of the other stuff, though. It wasn't just the phones they brought out. They did bring out a new tablet for people who buy them. And, um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I think it was a fairly beefy one. But, again, they spent, the interesting thing was, and I think Samsung treat the tablets the way I think that people treat them, because they spent, like, a second. Like, oh, you brought the tablet out uh, and then moved on to something else. But they did bring out new wireless earbuds, which sounded quite nice, the Galaxy Buds. Uh, again, you can wirelessly charge these on the back of your Samsung phone, the, the S10, which is quite smart. And uh, they also brought out some new watches as well. I couldn't really get my head around these. I thought these were just like Fitbit type things, but actually they sound more like you can have like a premium going out watch, but it also can capture all your fitness data, or you can have one for the gym. That was my takeaway from that. My takeaway was one's kind of a like the old Fitbit HR, and the other one's like a step or two above that. I don't know... And I might be wrong, and I'd be happy to be wrong, but I don't know that I would compare these to an Apple Watch without really diving into them, especially the lower one. The the uh, Fit, as they called it, the lower end, I think, came in at $99. That one sounds much more like a Fitbit. The one that's $100 more than that, I don't know if it's as fully featured as maybe an Apple Watch would be. I might be wrong. Well, I don't know, but what I will say is if it's got accessibility in it, then that changes things in a big yes, way. Yes, it does. Because, I mean, the thing is, I don't really get the Android Watch thing. I've spoken to Google about this, and I've asked the question, right, look, do you have accessibility on your, on your watches? And they say, yeah. But then they sort of say that, and then they get all very coy, and it's like, well, yeah, it kind of works, and it's sort of there. And you're like, but, okay, could, could you show me? And they're like, well, I think I'm washing my hair that day. And then you don't hear from them again, and they never call. So you think, right, so is it? And I'm not, I, you know, I've asked companies to send me these watches. They don't. I've asked companies, because I asked specifically on this point about accessibility, and I've asked companies, you know, I, I'm not buying one to find out it doesn't work. Um, no. I'm not doing that. Exactly. But, I, but I am intrigued, because if it's running Android, Android Wear, as it's called, then in theory it should. Now, I don't know, because Samsung, I think, use a different operating system on their watches. I think is it called Tizen? It is, yes, yes that's is. right. And Tizen does have accessibility built in there is a screen right, reader there. but again it's exactly the same point as we have with android where there's no real demos of it and and you know does do these even have a speaker um we don't know this is definitely one of those things where we need to get our hands on it to, to test the accessibility nobody's talking about it because nobody nobody's going to put the money out on something who unless you've got a huge amount of money and a you know a limitless spend <laughs> <laughs> to go and just buy up this these things because truth be told nobody's going to do it just to find out if it's got one feature on it no exactly exactly and right. and yep. the, no you know the mainstream bloggers aren't going to talk about it the mainstream providers aren't going to talk about it so we are left to talk about it god help you all um but yeah we we're i mean that's why i can't find very much about chromebooks at the minute i have an issue with my chromebook for example i had an issue with it the other day where it wouldn't um it wouldn't speak at login screen so i googled that nothing Nothing at all. I think I found the one question Google didn't have an answer to. <laughs> you um, broke the internet. I broke Google. <laughs> but it is interesting, isn't it? But anyway, look, we're out of time. Time just disappears. I've only been here half an hour. I needed more time. I should have just come <laughs> on to that audio games chat and shut you down. Early. No. Um, 
feedback at ami.ca keep your emails coming in keep checking out the podcast as well remember our website for more from us as we talk about lots of different things features you hear here on the program and also our opinions on different conversations as well you can find all that on uh, doubletap.online but from me Stephen Scott and these guys thank you so much I'll let you two say cheerio since you ran the show thank you and goodbye thank you cheerio Right, that's that done. Is there any food left? Where's this buffet? This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.